before we get started this episode of Crucial Connections, we want to issue a trigger warning for a talk on sexual assault and domestic violence. Welcome back to another episode of Crucial Connections. I have co-hosts here, Myrna and Tanya. And I'm Haley. And we are very excited to introduce a fourth co-host here, somebody that will be in and out. Having four of us definitely makes it easier because if somebody has to miss, then there's still other hosts here. So we'd like to welcome Caitlin Russell to the podcast. She works with me in crime scene. She's a crime scene and evidence specialist. Hey guys, how is everybody? Hey, um, I'm so excited to be here. And I just wanted to let you guys know that I'm also a crime scene specialist. I know she just said that. Um, my education, is, I have a bachelor's degree in forensic photography. Um, that's pretty much the gist. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a degree in forensic photography until I met you. Yeah, it's very specialized. There's only one school in the United States. It's in Miami, if anyone's interested. <laughs> Barry, right? Barry, Barry University. University. Yes. Yeah. I've like never heard of it before this, but, and if anybody loves photography and they love forensics, then they can go to Barry. Uh, Caitlin did five years of autopsies. Yes. Five years of autopsies at Travis County here in Austin. Um, I did a bunch of photography there as well. Um, then they were short staffed with the autopsy part and they were like, Hey, you want to learn how to dissect a human being? And I was like, sure. Why not? <laughs> Most people wouldn't have said sure, yeah. but that's why there's certain people that do those jobs. So, and yeah. just started my career that way. And then, um, finally got into crime scene, which was the main goal for when I went to school. So, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting for those of you that, been alive for quite a few years now know about the Pulse nightclub shooting that happened in Florida and that was actually Caitlin's first scene as an intern when she worked in Miami I did not know that. yeah so she <laughs> had she's seen some crazy things and we're very thankful to have her here with her expertise and stuff like that do you want to kind of give our listeners an idea of why and, and I only asked that because in our first episode ever Myrna Tanya and I also kind of went into why we do this job okay um well, when they asked me this question, it took me a little bit to get to the core of why I love and want to do this job. Um, but definitely, I want to give the, I want to tell the story in photography that the victim didn't have the chance to tell. And I feel like photography has developed so much over the years and how important it is and crucial to cases nowadays, because that's all that's left is photos. Absolutely. And I'm so very thankful that you were on those scenes with me because you know your way around that camera. And then I can just kind of focus on some of the other stuff. It's yeah, very sad searching. when you're not there. <laughs> we we tag team these crime scenes and we get them um, done. Not quickly. I will never say it's quickly because it's hours no matter what. But tag teaming definitely helps because it's more efficient. Things don't get missed. And that's the end goal, right? Is that we find everything on these scenes and we help people and that's why we're here today and why we're doing this podcast is to help people. So I'm going to hand it off to Myrna to introduce you to another guest that we have today who's a special guest that we're going to interview. Yes, and I'm very excited to introduce Priscilla Moreno. She is the Victim Services um, Coordinator at Taylor Police Department. So hi, Priscilla. Hi. I'm so <laughs> glad to be here. I'm excited um, for this podcast. Um, I'm just, I've been telling Myrna, I'm so happy that um, you guys organized this and now that more people can 
um, listen in and learn more about um, the resources and the help for victims of violent crime. Um, like she said, I'm the victim services coordinator at the Taylor Police Department. Um, I work by myself. I do have uh, four volunteers. Um, a little bit of my background, I have a bachelor's degree on anthropology and interdisciplinary studies. Um, and I ended up working with victims of crime. I sort of fell into it, but I, looking back, I know that it, any position that I had or any job, because I started off as being human resources um, when I used to live in North Carolina. And I always found myself helping people, even if it wasn't human resources, if, if there was a um, an employee that needed help with um, with food or anything like that. Um, I always found myself helping people and I always gravitated towards that. And when I started working at the sheriff's office, um, I went through being a receptionist and medical and um, classifications and all of that. Eventually I ended up doing victim services and I knew that's, that's where I wanted to be and that's where I'm still in there. I feel like a lot of us can say that we kind of fell into yes. our careers here at the police department or previous police departments. That's kind of what I say about crime scene too, because I started as a dispatcher and I just had that itch to like get out there and investigate even more, but actually be on the scene to do it because dispatchers do a lot mm -hmm. and they find people and they're very good at finding people, but I wanted to be on the scene too. And I just applied to every opening I could find until I found Leander and they took a chance on me with no experience. So I think that that, you find that a lot. I fell into it. Yeah, you definitely did. Yeah. I mean, I was a volunteer first because another friend wanted to volunteer with victim services. I'm the only one that did the application. So, <laughs> so I started doing it, you know, and it, it's something that is rewarding. It's also very difficult. So Priscilla, are you currently looking for volunteers? I am looking for volunteers. We actually have a press release going out this week because we're going to have a regional training in Round Rock in December, the first week of December. So um, they're going to share it on the uh, uh, on the newspaper, on the website. So it has a little bit more details. I know um, that others, the other um, police departments in Williamson County um, and the sheriff's office, they always share, most of the time we share the same regional training. Mm -hmm. So if they're looking for volunteers, they'll put it out too on their social media and in yes. their papers and things like that, their website. Um, yeah, they, I, I am always looking for volunteers. And I know where I live at, it's, it's, it's growing. It's growing mm -hmm. and growing. So I think the whole county is growing right now. It is. So we're in desperate need of volunteers and people that have the flexibility and yes and, and, yes, and the strength to do this mm -hmm. it's not it's not have, easy do you have like any age restrictions or anything so, that you look for well definitely they have to be over 21 and mm -hmm. you know and um just basically be able to do this and i know that we have an interview process and then at the training we talk to them we show them examples of what they can see at the scene like it can be difficult things. And we've definitely had volunteers that go through the training or halfway through the training and they see certain videos or they hear, cause we let them listen to dispatch calls and some uh, photos from the scene and, and like be warned, we're about to show you this. And we've had volunteers that are like, no, mm -hmm. never mind, this is not for me. And that's totally okay. 
That's why we have the application process and then the, mm -hmm. the training. Is there um, certain hours that a volunteer needs to commit to during a month? Yes, uh, for my agency is uh, three shifts, tw three 12 hour shifts. Um, mostly on weekends, but I'll take anything. At this point, uh, I'm also looking for interns uh, to come and help me in the office because it's it's a lot to do. Yes. I think everybody at this table <laughs> knows how crappy it is to be on call 24 seven. Yeah. And to constantly be worried about being called out, how it affects your sleep, how it affects your mental health and eating and, and, and every aspect of life because it's it's just you if they need help in Taylor it's just you right so yeah. so and I know I have I have volunteers that cover me certain weekends but if if there's something major or it involves somebody from the PD they're gonna call me anyway yes. so it's I'm always gonna be I'm always gonna get called if it's like a major call and yeah the chain wants me there so, so your phone is like attached to your hip at all times. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's like, did that ring? Did I hear that? Oh, yeah. oh my God. It's yeah. the worst it's when you're in a store and somebody has the same ringtone oh, as your yeah. work phone. Like, yeah. And I'm not even on call and I'm like freaking out because same thing. Like we, we share on call, Caitlin and I, but then if a homicide comes out, we're both going. So, and we, we both kind of go to everything at this point, but mm -hmm. so really it is 24 seven, even it when is. it doesn't sound like it, it, you're like, well, I have this weekend off, but, but yeah. And <laughs> of the times it's like, you, they just want you to be on standby. They don't, they're not sure if they're going to meet you there. Just like, yes. And then, but you still like, you're like waiting mm -hmm. and ready to go. Well, yeah. It ruins like your plans and yeah, stuff. Your sleep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it's definitely a, a calling to do this. I don't yes. think, because mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's just like, oh, I want to try that. They pay well, or, oh, like something like, you know, because I've, I've met people that do that. Like I, yeah. you know, and it's mm -hmm. like, no. And then they're like, oh, I made a mistake. Yes, you do. <laughs> no. Trust me, if you're getting into a police work or social work or anything where you're helping people, you're not in it for the money. No, you're not. You know, and I know, like, a crime scene, I could never do it. Like, like that's why, like, I could never. That's how we feel about your position, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, crying human beings terrifies me. I can't do it. See? I just don't you... know what to do. Like, where do I put my hands? I don't know. And you, you see guts and, like, I need to take a picture. Yeah, I could never do that. Yeah, we stay behind our camera. Yeah, uh, do you, so... What type of calls do you typically get called to in Taylor? It depends. I always say it, it depends on on the season. There's season where mm -hmm. all we get is is um it's child crimes, and you're constantly so true. going to forensic interviews. You're constantly mm -hmm. doing that, and it can take weeks or months where you're in that stage. I don't know if you, you call it a stage, but in that it's happening. Mm -hmm. And then there's months where all you see is domestic violence and you haven't, mm -hmm. you know, or it's, you know, it's, it's like that. And it's always, it's, it's like waves. And then yes. it's, it's always creepy because I've, I've learned, and this is true. Every time there's a death with a fatality wreck or a homicide or something, it always comes in threes. And mm -hmm. it's true. It's true. Absolutely. It true. is. Like, it like is. if we have, I mean, I believe in yeah, that. <laughs> if we have a fatality wreck or, and mostly an unexpected death, or if it is a death that is not um, nothing criminal about it, like there's always three. 
Mm -hmm. But it all depends. I get called out mostly on, um, well, on sexual abuse. If, mm -hmm. if somebody needs to be transported to get a same exam mm -hmm. or, or just to sit there with them. Uh, lately, it has been that and um, child abuse. Like yes. going a lot to the Children's Advocacy Center and sitting with the family and does the child abuse more like during like the summer months, like when they're home and then like the oh. abuse is like more towards like the holidays? Like do you see trends like that with different times of the year? Or like they're just random back in school. So now they have like teachers that they can tell something's yeah. happening yeah, to them. I see that more. I okay. see that more because I know there's mandatory responders because I see mm -hmm. there are a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the aliens, the CPS reports that come in, mostly for counselors or from teachers doing the room. So, and whenever there is the summer, you know, that doesn't happen. So it's quiet. It's right. quiet. Okay. It's sort of quiet. There's nobody to, to tell. I mean, I don't know if we have numbers for it, but I would say that COVID too, you know, people were stuck at yeah, home yeah, and couldn't so get away from abusers. And then it opened back up. People could go back to work. They could go back to school. And then they had people they could tell of yeah. what was happening. What I see is like um, after like spring break, after holidays, when they go back, something happened, they tend to tell a teacher or a counselor and because they're mandatory reporters it does help us find out about it but i would say the holidays too because people get lonely and they get yeah. sad and, and we see an uptake of suicides typically over the holidays mm -hmm. so you know we'll be like oh hey you're on call for thanksgiving but most likely you know i'm not also not going to leave her to handle three four five however many scenes it's knock on wood it is not like that usually so it's not jinx it but <laughs> like <laughs> you know it's it's crazy because you do see it and the, the coming in threes thing like we do that we're so superstitious about that in law enforcement because something will happen we'll be like okay there's one wonder yeah, when number two is right. gonna happen like we're just waiting by our phone at that point mm -hmm. for <laughs> number two faces because i know one dispatcher that <laughs> she's like she's got a full-on calendar like, <laughs> Full moon, and, yeah. Oh yeah, full moons on Friday the thirteenth. No, thank you. I am sick that day. I cannot work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm not even superstitious anywhere else in my life. Just work. No, it's just that because it's so we've weird. seen it, it happen. Though. Yeah, it's, it does happen. Yeah. And we've lived it every time. It's like, no, there's one down. <laughs> yeah. What resources do you want our listener to know that is out there for them if they become a victim of a crime? Well, it always depends on where they live, the city they live. And I think the best option for them is if they're a victim of a violent crime, domestic violence, sexual assault, just call your local victim services mm -hmm. and they'll connect you to whatever's local, to whatever the local resources are. Um, because I know that the resources vary by jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and some of them may not be available to you. Uh, but uh, the most, the other thing that you can call and they help the whole of Williamson County is Hope Alliance. Yes, and they'll connect you with everything that's available in the yeah. Time to plug our last episode. Go check out the last one. It is on Hope Alliance. So we had a guest speaker that episode as well. Check it out. And again, Giving Tuesday is coming up. So please think about giving to Hope Alliance during Giving Tuesday. Is there any kind of advice, Priscilla, that you would give, especially you know, being a Spanish speaker? and being from the Hispanic culture that you can kind of give out to them to know that we're here to help. You can do it both in English and in Spanish if you want. <laughs> Put her on the spot. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So I, I think it's to know and to understand that you're not alone and that a lot of the 
um, Latino Hispanic community and especially people that just had have just arrived here, which has been happening a lot lately mm -hmm. in Texas, they are not aware that that when it, if we we try to help them, they think they're gonna be uh, criminally charged or mm -hmm. deported or something like that. So I just want them to know that that will not be the case. We just want to help them, and that will feel um, given the the resources that will walk, walk them through that. Um, mm -hmm. Um, solo quiero que las víctimas de violencia doméstica o de acoso sexual, de todo tipo de casos así, que se den cuenta de que nosotros estamos para ayudar, no estamos para ver ningún tipo de estatus de legal, uh, no vamos a hacer ningún cargo criminal, solamente estamos tratando de, de ayudar a víctimas y siempre nos pueden um, llamar para pedirnos un consejo de qué y qué podemos hacer, alguien nos está abusando, qué tipo de opciones tenemos. Siempre podemos ayudar. Awesome. Sounded amazing. I have no idea what you said. And it just sounded great. <laughs> I love that we have the ability to have you and Tanya and Myrna do things like that because our listeners, but in our community, they need that same level of care. You know, if they don't speak English, they still deserve to have that same level of care and communication. So it's really cool that we can have that on the podcast. Very true. Is there any specific resources that is exclusive to Taylor that you have that you want to go ahead and talk about? Yeah. So the major one in Taylor is Shepherd's Heart, and that serves as a pantry, but they don't only do that. They they have a little thrift store. And I know when I have victims that have to run and they don't have any clothing, they they have clothing there that they can go and pick up. Um, they also are known to, um, I always reach out to them whenever I have victims that have crazy things. Like I have victims that got their, their glasses broken by their abuser. So they're like, we need to replace them because, you know, she can't see without them. Um, and they'll, they'll pay for that. And because crime victims compensation, it helps, but it takes a long time. Yeah. So, and sometimes they need medication soon. And, you know, they can't wait for our CDC to kick in. Um, I've reached out to Shepherd's Heart from anything that you can think of. From, hey, I need this medicine. My, you know, he broke my nose. I just got released from the hospital, but I need this medicine, this antibiotic that I'm having in me. So he broke my he broke my glasses too. He took the keys to my car. So we had to call a key master to come and make a key. So, mm -hmm. you know, so Shepherd's Heart is a big, a big resource. There's other churches, a few churches in Taylor that whenever I call and I refer a victim, they may help with utility, new utility payments. That's yeah. great. Yeah. It's always nice to know that there's specific resources that are for your community. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they think, what can you do for me? Especially if they've ever dealt with CDC before, you oh, know, yeah. it's a case by case basis and it it does take a long time. I mean, we went through a phase where they didn't have enough workers. And so it was taking even longer just to get an application to go through. So it's nice when we, when there's community resources that specifically help when they need it, because they don't know what, what direction to turn half of the time until yeah. they've talked to victim services, especially your first time is the scariest because because we're affiliated with police department, they don't necessarily know how much they can tell us or what, if they can feel confident telling us things that maybe they didn't tell the officers. Um, but once you get that trust built, it makes a big difference because then, you know, even if you have to see this victim multiple times because of different cases, 
you already kind of have an idea of what they need. So it makes it a little bit easier to kind of almost, um, what's the word I'm looking for? To specifically have a path to go with them on resources. Yeah, and I, I get that too. I get the, the victims that I call them the, what do you call them? The victims that have a history. Yes. And and you've worked with them for years because unfortunately they, they either keep staying with the guy because it's it's the cycle and mm -hmm. i mean and, and we're trying to understand this i mean it can be a little frustrating but we understand that they're in the cycle and i've had victims that have been on it for years with the same abuser mm -hmm. so you already have them screened but you already know what kind of needs they have and you already know what to give them so yeah i i get it there's a lot of that mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's and, and we've talked about it when, you know, during October, it was, you know, National Domestic Violence uh, Prevention and Awareness Month, that there is, you know, it's a potential of seven times where they can leave their abuser, but there's a lot of different aspects to it, you know, financial, you have children together, you don't work, you don't have a vehicle, there's so many different things. So being able to really almost specialize the resources that you're giving them at that moment, it helps. So that they understand that you're still going to be there. You're not, it's not a one-time shop kind of thing. And they can call at any point. We don't just say, okay, the door is closed with you because your case is closed. If they need anything, we're always available because we understand that it is a cycle. And you might get out of one abusive relationship, but then you might get into another one without realizing it until you're knee deep in it. And then you're like, oh, nice I need help again. Yeah. I think it's good for them. I think they know. I think, well, I tell them, and, and they're, mm -hmm. it's good. It's good for them to know because they can always yeah. help, and they do. Yes. And it's it's hard in um, it's hard because I know that in places um, the financial situation is bad, and there's not housing, and there's and I mm -hmm. think the whole county is dealing with it. Yes. And it's um, a, a victim that. It, it's a she's mainly a housewife and now lost the breadwinner and she's trying to go work at mcdonald's or a receptionist she cannot afford to live in her own no. so it's it's very hard to for them to try to figure things out and having an advocate for them i know it helps them oh definitely i mean i've i've worked here five years and i'm on a single income and can barely afford to live alone and i live in austin right now because it's six hundred dollars cheaper for one bedroom than living in Leander, which is crazy to me. So I can only imagine someone who's just jumping back into the workforce, how difficult that can be and how you wouldn't want a roommate right away. You know, you just got out of a situation where you didn't feel safe and then you're going to go live with somebody else who you may or may not feel safe with either. So if you have children, you don't necessarily want to share another person or pets. Yeah. yeah. You know what the other person is going to be involved with. Do you have anything in Taylor that would help a family violence victim if they have a pet? I do not. The only option that we have is um, we do have the local animal shelter mm -hmm. and most of the time it's full, like everything mm -hmm. is full. Yes. Um, and they'll keep the dog for a few days, but that's the extent of it. Okay. So um, a lot of the times they're giving um, the options to like, hey, we'll look at rescues, we'll look at the Williamson mm -hmm. County Regional Shelter for them to help us get options as why you know rescues. Um, but a lot of the victims there, they, the dogs, whenever it comes to you being abused, the dogs are like your emotional mm -hmm. um, animal. So it's kind of hard to give it, but it's so heartbreaking because if you don't have a place to stay, right, 
Yeah. And they're letting you use the room, but you cannot bring your pet in. It's it's hard. I've had victims that choose to stay in my vehicle mm-hmm. because they will not give up their dog or their cat would. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I, I wouldn't leave my animals at all. We we discussed earlier this month, because technically this is our last October episode, even though it's November 1st today. Um, and we, we talked about earlier in October safety plans, and maybe that's something at least for the people in Taylor that they could think about adding to their safety plan. Who is somebody I trust to watch my pet while I'm going through that transitional phase? So taking those initial steps before you even walk out the door is really important, especially pets. I mean, it's hard. I have a great Dane. She's 142 pounds. Just getting someone to watch her so I can go out of town for a couple of days is hard. But imagine you're like moving your entire life and you have to have somebody watch that animal for you. And it's not like you can afford to pay them to watch that animal either. So very important to have those things I had a question for you and maybe Myrna can answer it too say you're a brand new victim service coordinator Mm -hmm. not just this county but anywhere in Texas or throughout the U.S. brand new what piece of advice would you give a brand new one what they're getting themselves into because you guys have a lot of experience and long time on the job yeah that's one of them <laughs> like there's a lot yeah there's a lot it's too many go on podcast yeah go for it <laughs> like i mean it's it's um i think when you start you're like fresh based and energetic yeah. and you have all these ideas and and it's like because i went to a department that didn't have victim services to begin with so it was a lot about the policies and yeah. Bringing it from the ground up and the SOPs, the standards of procedure, and mm-hmm. ethics, and all of this for victim services, but self care and mm-hmm. self preservation. Yes, and I, I think it's the nature of our job, but it's hard, or maybe it's just me as a person. But I have a hard time saying no. Oh, I understand. It's not. It's not so, <laughs> That's why we do this yeah. job. <laughs> because you. You have a heart to help <laughs> other people, yeah. but then, um, you know, sometimes people will tell you, but isn't, don't you need to take care of yourself first to be able to take care of others? It's like, that's a great thing. And yes, we know that because, you know, we go through a lot of training, mm-hmm. we see different things, we understand it. But when your job is literally helping somebody in the most difficult time, the most traumatic time of their, that moment for them, you can't always do the self-preservation or the self-care. No, and you always, yeah. yeah. And you and you make yourself last on the list. Somehow, mm-hmm. some way, maybe you don't mean to because you're so busy. And if you don't take care of yourself, you end up exhausted. And even mm-hmm. your personal life will be affected. Yeah, so it burned out, yeah. Just burn, mm-hmm. And don't be ashamed. Like, there's no shame in going to, to reaching out for help, whether it be exactly. therapy, whether it be counseling, whether it be religion, spirituality, mm-hmm. spirituality, whatever you feel like, um, uh, just do it, the self-care. And I know that, I know the agency that I work with, Taylor, they have a great program where they have a contract with therapists where we can go and and just get seen and, and have fun. So Another plug for a previous episode, yes. you can go back and listen to our episode with Tanya Glenn, because that's yes. who she's talking about. Yeah. And that office mm-hmm. is a savior for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, I always say that you can tell what my mental health looks like based on how clean my apartment is. So uh, oh when God, it looks like a tornado it. hit. <laughs> right now it's chaotic. And I'm just, so. I if I put one 
load of laundry in the wash. I'm like, there it is. There's my small win for the day. I might not have gotten everything done today I wanted to do. I might not have washed my hair, but I cleaned one thing up and I, I put, I organized something. And we talked about that on the episode with Tiny Glenn, celebrating those small wins, that self-care. If you're noticing that goes out the window first, because I don't know about you, but when I'm stressed out, self-care is the first thing yeah, out the window. But you've got to get back to it, like you guys are saying. Definitely. But one other thing that I would give us as a negative advice is that working in law enforcement is very different than working in the in the private or public sector. You don't just come up with an idea and it's a go. You have to go through your chain of command. It takes time. Nothing is quick. So that's where we're lucky with Williamson County is our advocates all know each other. We support each other because we're in we're in the same position. So we know the struggles, uh, especially when you're the only one, the only paid employee. We've seen it. We've done it. Uh, Priscilla and I are still in it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's having somebody else that you know understands. And that's it helps to reach out because anytime like... If one of us is sick or one of us is going out of town, do you all need anything? It's like, no, we're good, you know, because we understand the beast, so to speak, of what law enforcement entails with our jobs. Yeah, and funding, because funding, we yes. could have all the ideas in the world, but if they don't have funding for it, yeah, you know, it's not yeah, happening, yeah. especially more people. Exactly. And Priscilla and I were both grant funded, but we're not funded right now. So, and it is an obstacle because... It's just adding more work when you're grant funded because you have to keep the stats. Oh my gosh. And yes. then you have to, you know, yeah, if they do a uh, inspection of your work or whatever it is, you know, surprise one, it, it's it's more difficult because you're already juggling a lot of balls in what we do, you know, uh, dealing with victims, dealing with CVC, dealing with other resources, training new advocates, recruiting new advocates, training officers, training officers. Okay. Uh, just there's a lot of components to it and then when you uh have this idea that you're going to be able to make everything come to fruition but you're grant funded that's another aspect of work that you're adding on to your plate and then you have to do quarterly stats yeah. and you know you have to meet their requirements in order to keep getting the grant um so sometimes you do sometimes you exceed it but it's just it, it's a lot of work yeah. yeah, you yeah. forgot to mention community involvement. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> lots of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think another thing that I missed that I want to say is um I think we wouldn't be able to do what we do without having our chain of command. And to me, it's like my second family. It's a team. Mm -hmm. And feeling that they always have my back, that I that if I'm having a bad day or a bad moment, they're like. And I can go, I can go like, I'm in the hallway full of guys, like I'm the only woman there. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and I feel so comfortable, like if I'm having a bad day, just to sit there and stare at the wall and I'm like, just, <laughs> just stare at the wall with me for a second. <laughs> like it, there's been times where like my tears will come out for some reason and they don't even ask, they're like, they'll just throw out a joke or something. Yeah, if, if it was a bad time. That's good. That's awesome. It's yeah. amazing to hear that you have that. I mean, it's important that maybe you don't have it with the people next door to you, mm -hmm. but like other people in the field. Um, I saw, I was talking to my therapist at Tiny Glenn's office the other day about this. It's something that's helped me over the years with those really bad scenes is having uh, my previous supervisor, my partner right now, Caitlin, or my mom, who's been a dispatcher and being able to be like, 
this seems really hard. Can I talk it out with you? And it's people who are in the field or have been in the field who aren't going to judge you, whether it's at your department or a different department. And it's be horrified. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that too. Yeah. Some people don't. My best friend all the time, she's so funny. She's a PE teacher and she's like, I don't want to hear about it, but if you need to tell me about it, like I'm here to listen too. So she's the sweetest thing ever because she's like horrified by some of the things I'll tell her. Boyfriend, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm here for you. And, and that's so important to have that network and that support. So it's good mm-hmm. to hear that you have that in the hallway with yeah, you too, yeah. not just mm-hmm. outside. I think it, it matters a lot. It matters mm-hmm. because you go to the same thing and you know, there might be detectives and sergeants and officers and they, they do a totally different jobs and mm-hmm. way more than you do. And you're just there to like help. But it's it's I don't know, it's it's different. Their mentality is different, but almost the same and they can understand you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Do we have any other questions? Anything on our minds that we wanted? I just want to say I appreciate you so much because you have always been a phenomenal just the individual friend coordinator and she works very very hard and I I know it because we've gone to conferences and she's trying to juggle things that happen at work and still learn stuff at the conference and still try to have some self-care moments to herself um so I really appreciate just your openness your uh compassion your sympathy your empathy and that you really are a true asset in the victim services community. Thank you. That is so serious. You are. I agree. You it's are. been a pleasure yeah. meeting you today for the first time. I'm going to put everybody on the spot right now. It's November 1st, starting the month that Thanksgiving is in. And this was kind of Tanya's idea before this even started recording. Let's go around and say something that you're grateful for. And I think that that's important now that we're in November to talk about those things. Yes, just one thing, something. Go, Myrna. Everybody at this table. (laughs) Everybody brings something to the table. And we work as a team. You're you're for slide. You can't jump out of your sorry. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're willing to this. you're willing to share, you're willing to open yourself up because you know, with when we decided to do this podcast, we really didn't know what was gonna happen with it. But we knew that we wanted to do this for our community and for other communities to share that there are people who care, who understand. Uh, we might not completely understand what you're going through, but we can have an understanding of it. Because uh, they always say you have to walk in somebody's shoes to really truly understand what they're going through, but we can still feel that compassion and that sympathy and that empathy with individuals. So I just want to say I, I have great ladies here with me, and I am very very grateful for all of you. Thank you. Who would like to beat her? Who wants to go next? <laughs> I'll go next. Um, I'm grateful again for all of you. November 1st, cooler weather. Thank you. <laughs> um, let's see how long it lasts. It's yeah, Texas. It's supposed to be on Thursday. I, just um, I'm actually flying out to San Francisco. That is home for me. Proud to be a Texan. Proud to be um, with the Leander Police Department, involved with victim services. Uh, it's It was a dream come true. I think I said that in the first episode. And that has been... Still, it's it's in my heart to be here with each of you. Oh, thanks. 
I guess I'll go next. Um, I'm really thankful for obviously all of you. <laughs> Be kind of rude if I didn't say that. Through um, <laughs> this whole journey of what has gone on in the last couple months, but um, and also for my boyfriend Mike for always having my back because he's definitely my rock. So, Aww. yeah. So I'll, we're just gonna go around the table in order here that just makes life a little easier for everyone uh I'm very grateful for my animals you guys like I go home to them every day and they're so excited to see me <laughs> and I can be in the worst mood ever when I leave this place but when I walk in that door I'm like oh my god how was your day like they can answer me of course they can't but I'm just it just puts a smile on your face instantly and so you know obviously you guys obviously my friends and family too but this is only episode one of November we're gonna have things that we're grateful for each week yes. but this week just after like Caitlin said the last few months are a little hard and uh, I got to go home to them every day and they are just loving and they you're their whole world so mm -hmm. Priscilla I'm grateful for my family and you know everything I feel like not to brag or anything but I'm just I feel blessed I'm, I'm blessed I have a great family I have um, a great job that I love I'm just and, and I'm just grateful for everything and I try to be grateful every day and I try to be grateful for um instances and things and moments like this mm -hmm. and for friends that support me and are patient with me <laughs> and, <they're always laughs> me. Um, and I'm just a weirdo I'm I'm, I'm, weirdo. I'm, I'm always like I, Same. <laughs> yeah, if there's the sunshine, I'm so grateful that I get to see the sunshine. I smile like an idiot, uh, you know, <laughs> and then moonlight at night and the trees outside my house. I'm just, yeah, I try to, to see the little things. So. That's important. I could see you in the country. <laughs> <laughs> Wishes do come true. Yes. And I do want to thank my family and friends too, because they've been very supportive of the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't want to forget that, but I just wanted to put in perspective. And of course, our listeners. All of them. They know, but yes, our listeners yes. are very important to us. <laughs> and we are very grateful that you all are waiting to listen to our new podcast. And we really do enjoy doing these for you and coming up with ideas of what we can share because we really, we really are community minded to be able to give information so that you could do listen to it in a safe environment is very important to us. Before we close out, Priscilla and Myrna, do you want to give some contact information if the people in your community need to contact victim services, how they can get a hold of you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the Taylor Police Department, uh, you can call the general number is 512-352-5551. Uh, my extension is 2218. Um, they give you options. You can always press zero and ask to speak for victim services. Um, I'm the only one there, and I'm the only Priscilla in the whole PD. So. <laughs> Makes it easy enough, <laughs> right? Easy to find. Do you want to give your email? Uh, yeah, my email is Priscilla, P R I S C I L L A dot Moreno, M O R E N O, at Taylor T X dot G O V. Yours is a lot longer than mine. It is. <laughs> it's a pain. <laughs> my office number is 512-528-2872. That's my direct number. And then my email is mjohnson at leandertx.gov. Well, thank you guys so much. Like I said, crime scene-wise, we are very thankful to have advocates and the victim service coordinators on scenes with us. You guys do a lot and you're very helpful 
and our communities have amazing women out there for them and male advocates as well to be helpful. So the resources are out there. They just need to know where to find them and how to get them. And we hope that you are enjoying this podcast and you will continue to look out for it. If you would like to, please subscribe because that will give you notifications every time a new episode drops. And then please rate it or review it because that then pushes it out for more people to see. And also share it with anybody in your life who may need it or who may like to listen to podcasts. The more people who know about it, the more people who can get those resources if they need them. Thank you. And we can't wait to talk to you again.